Welcome to John Kerry Podcast, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's guest is Dave Lozo. Dave is a terrific writer, friend of the show, does a whole bunch of things, which we'll get into in a minute. And this is a really fun conversation. We often do, like, on the show, hey, tell me your life story, and how did you become a ballerina, trapeze artist, politician, athlete, whatever it is. We didn't really do that because Dave and I know each other. We're pals, and uh, we just jumped into a bunch of stuff. He writes about hockey uh, primarily and does a great job of it. We're f- right in the middle of the hockey playoffs. Fun debate. Who do you root for right now? Because you can make a case for the Winnipeg Jets. They're Canada's team, and people go nuts for them in Winnipeg. That's a good one. The Vegas Golden Knights. They're an expansion team. How crazy would it be if an expansion team won it all? Uh, and I'm kind of sen- partial, sensitive to the argument about the Washington Capitals, that even though the Caps have been around a while... They've been a snake-bitten franchise. Alex Ovechkin gets a ridiculous bad rap. He's an awesome player. He's going to end his career with, I don't know how many goals, 700, 800, 900, I don't know. He's unreal, and uh, but hasn't gotten over the hump in the playoffs. He's now gotten further than he ever has. Caps are two games away from the finals. I think it would be really cool if we got to hoist the cup, actually. That gets me excited, too. So we got into all that. We talked about the state of the journalism industry. Dave, like me, writes for multiple publications and kind of juggles and all that. And we also talk about the League of Leagues, which is the insane fantasy league that I co-founded. Baseball, basketball, football, all in one. As it stands, we start with baseball, then basketball, then football, then basketball, based on the calendar. So you know, the season just got underway. And in baseball right now, meaning the beginning of this current cycle of League of Leagues, my team is in first place, and Lozo's, uh, along with his partner Harris Bornstein, in second place. So some good trash talking, some good kind of fantasy sports discussion, fantasy sports etiquette. We talk about the fact that The Miz, the WWE wrestler, wrestler is actually in the League of Leagues, which is weird uh, and awesome and fun and whatever. And uh, the way that he trash-talked when he came into the league was so, so good. He sent this email to all of us, which uh, absolutely made me crack up. I just I could not stop laughing. You know what? I think I'm actually going to read it to you because we didn't uh, do that in the, um, in the pod itself. So here, here we go. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Please excuse us. It'll be a longer intro, but it'll be worth it. So we all said, you know, welcome to the league. You do that, right? Somebody comes into the league. Somebody leaves. We replace somebody. Bob, welcome to the league. No, no. We say, the Miz, welcome to the league. So there's some kibitzing going on. We're waiting for him to reply. He replies, wow, the infamous league of leagues. I'm speechless. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be in a fantasy league with so many nerds, dorks, and virgins. 24 emails on this chain. Jeez, how many people do you need to run a team? And why did only 10 of you welcome me? And of those 10, nine of those emails had two words in them. Welcome, Mike. Hello, Mike. Mike is his first name. That's it. That's all I get. Do you have any idea what I bring to this league? Allow me to educate you. I bring celebrity, prestige, and honor. Your social media accounts will soar now that people know you are associated with my name. Your bosses will stop thinking you're the creep in the corner and actually talk to you. You might even get a raise. You're welcome. With that said, I expect the rest of you to give me a proper welcome in the league email. And there's uh, more stuff. And then, uh... There's trash talking, there's like movie quotes, it just, it goes on, it keeps going, but the fact that he's trash talking us right off the bat, we don't know this guy from, uh, from anything, uh, he's delightful. This is a fun thing, I really, really like it, a fantasy sports is just, I, I played fantasy baseball every year since 1991, can't get enough of it now that I do every sport I want, it's, it's the most fun thing ever, it's like, it's good, it keeps me centered, like, okay, life is good, all that stuff, but this is a good way to engage my ridiculous, uh, brain, and I like it, and I like Dave Lozo, I think you'll like this conversation. Uh, Dave, by the way, writes for, you can find his work at Vice Sports. Uh, he also has a terrific book called The 100 Greatest Players in NHL History and Other Stuff, which you should read. That is with uh, Dave Wyshynski and Sean McIndoe, who are great. Dave is also the co-host of a podcast called Puck Soup, which uh, came along when I was at Nerdist Sports. They joined up. 
those two guys together, and so that was fun to watch that kind of germinate, and it's become really successful. They're so good at it, and Dave co-hosts a podcast with McIndoe as well, which is really good, so check out all of Dave Lozo's work. Uh, he is a really funny guy, talented writer, and all that good stuff. Hey, let's also discuss this week's sponsor, friends, and that is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is fantastic. You know this already. I don't have to tell you this. Why do I keep having to tell you this? It's silly. SeatGeek has been a sponsor of this podcast for quite a while, going back to what? The Granlin days, the Nerdist days, what have you. They've been around forever, and they're really, really great. It's the best place to buy or sell tickets to anything that you could possibly imagine. Uh, it is a fantastic service. I've used them for baseball and for hockey and for concerts and for lots of other stuff. They are really, really great. Color-coded map allows you to figure out where you want to sit. So you want to go to a game? All right, you look at the map. Well, okay, Bleachers looks good today. Oh, behind home plate, that's actually the best deal. Upper deck, what have you. SeatGeek is the best place to make that happen. Two different SeatGeek offers for you. First of all, you can download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code Jonah today, and you'll get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. That's if you've never used SeatGeek. 20 bucks off of your first SeatGeek purchase just by using the promo code Jonah, J-O-N-A-H. Also, let's say that you're buying MLB tickets. Maybe you've used SeatGeek 7,000 times or whatever. No problem. You enter the promo code Kerry. that's K-E-R-I, and you get $10 off of MLB tickets. That's promo code Kerry, K-E-R-I, for $10 off MLB tickets. Or just go ahead and use the promo code Jonah for $20 off of any first-time purchase to whatever it is you're going to, whatever it is you're seeing. That's great. SeatGeek is great. Thank you to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. And here is the latest edition of the Jonah Kerry Podcast. It's with Dave Lozo. Enjoy. All right, so first of all, you're watching The Martian. What convinced me, because you're like, this is the 700th time I've watched The Martian. What is so great about The Martian? Why? Why is it so great? Best comedy. It's, yeah, it, it, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is funny. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of, there are, there's a lot of parts that make you laugh, but there's also parts where, like, Matt Damon thinks he's going to die. Um, and I can tell you that he doesn't die because uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I think it was 45 seconds after the movie came out, told the world nobody dies in the movie. And then was like, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> what do you mean that's not a spoiler? Well, they scienced it up. Well, yeah, great. But, I mean, the, the drama in the movie is whether or not Matt Damon lives or not. But it's a good ensemble cast. Like the, the, it, it, It's paced really well. It's kind of cool to see Sean Bean in, like, a role where he's not trying to kill everybody in the movie, too. Wow. He's just like – he's playing, like, a regular old guy at NASA – Jeff Daniels is good. Kristen Wiig. Everyone's good in it. It's just a really good movie. It's like a picture Infinity War where there's all these superheroes, right? And they got to get all their screen time. That's kind of like The Martian, but they're all regular human beings and it just works. It's really good. Since I quit Twitter, which we can get oh, into. I love you for that. There have been 700, my by count, 715,922 reasons to quit Twitter. And I forgot reason 715,923, which is I don't have to deal with Neil deGrasse Tyson's fucking bullshit anymore. Cause <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, he's okay. He's cool and whatever, whatever. But why are you being such a spoil sport? What is up with that? Come on, man. 
I'm, I'm so glad that like Neil deGrasse Tyson is a hundred times smarter than me and he's solving problems that I could not even begin to solve. But just could he just not be that guy on Twitter who's like, technically a sunset isn't a sunset because the sun doesn't technically set. Like, all right, come on, man. Like, what are you doing this to us for? Like, if you're the smartest person alive, like you should be on Twitter, like giving us clues, like on how to, how to figure out time travel, like not going on Twitter and being like, you know, Technically, on Seinfeld, he wasn't a mailman. He was a postman, and the postman, like, oh, Jesus, what do you do? Stop. Stop, Neil. Don't be that guy. I like how you said, if you're the smartest person alive, you should be on Twitter X. You lost me, you lost me after you should be on yeah. Twitter. No, no, no. No, That's no, no. Idea. That's incorrect. No, no, no. You should not be on Twitter. How much, like, how much, how much, like, happier are you? Like, cause, like, I always imagine deleting Twitter, like, like when I deleted Candy Crush. So, like, <laughs> I, I had Candy Crush on my phone forever, and I got to, like, some level, and I could not beat it. And it was destroying me, cause you had to wait for, like, your lives to come back, and then, like, they'd come back, and I'd play them right away, and I'd lose again. And then one day I was like, wait, I can just delete this, and I deleted it, and there was, like, this instant feeling of, like, <sighs> wow. Why, why did I do that like years ago or months ago with Candy Crush? So like when you like, are you walking around during your day now where like you you just feel lighter and you feel like better and happier? You you must right. Uh, I guess we need to back up for a second. So I don't know why this is about me, but we we, we we've talked about this. You wanna, we're talking because we're friends. We're going to do a podcast. We're talking about hockey. We do all that stuff. But we've talked. We've kind of talked about this off the cuff a little bit. I had gotten rid of it entirely, and then I came back on, but I, somebody else runs it. And 99% of the posts are just auto. And then yeah. once in a while, if, like, somebody I know is, like, some charity thing, it's like, we're going to save orphans or, you know, uh, it's a battered women's shelter. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'll use the platform because I, I have a bunch of followers. I'm like, cool. But otherwise, and I'm not still not the one who types. I just say to the guy, do me a favor, take this script and write it, and that's it. So it's great. It's I don't miss it at all. You know what the big thing is? I didn't get personally that much negativity. I guess I have a positive reputation or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But it's it's a time suck. Like even if you enjoy it, it does yeah. take up your lawyer time. And uh without going into graphic detail, like this is a busy last few months for me. I now live in Canada. I moved back. Like a lot of stuff happened. And so it's just it didn't. It wasn't the best use of my time. Is the bottom line. Like I'm focused on the people that I love and my work and I don't know dogs and whatnot. Quit, quit bragging. Quit showing off, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. You got, yeah. an, you, got, you got an intern sending out your tweets. You're happy. You're in Canada. It's home of the Winnipeg Jets. Home of the future Stanley Cup champions. Yes, you- the home of the Stanley Cup. Cha- I'm so okay. So here's what we're gonna do. Because you could do analysis. You are capable of this, but. The way that I want to talk to you about hockey is not that way anyway, nor do you think you want to talk about hockey. The magic of hockey soup. You can talk about it any way you want. If you want me to pump the tires of your new favorite team, I'm assuming, the Winnipeg Jets, now that you're out on Montreal, we can do that. I've been out on Montreal since the Subban trade. Possibly (laughs) possibly since the Mario Tremblay trade, which I'm not calling the Patrick Law trade because it's Mario Tremblay. But um, I do like the Jets, but here's the thing, and this is how I want to go about this with you because I think this is the I was thinking about how I wanted to open the hockey discussion. It's the who do we root for? And the Jets are the obvious one. But other than the Lightning, I can, and there's nothing wrong with the Lightning. But to me, the Caps, the Knights, and the Jets are all compelling stories. You can argue that the Jets are the most compelling, but I love OV. And man, what a rough ride he's had. They got by the Pens. They're in the conference final. The Knights are a freaking expansion team in Vegas. Like that thing. We were like in Vegas drafting League of Leagues and that thing was just a glimmer in our eye. And now it's an arena on the strip and they're going to the Stanley Cup. Maybe like, this is crazy. So, 
as much as I think you could make a case for the Jets and Winnipeg is a small town and they're so crazy about hockey, let's make a case for the Caps and the Knights too. Let's run through all three before we even decide on who we want to pick and just talk about all three as teams that you could pick with no disrespect to the Lightning, but they've won recently and all that stuff. Well, I mean, it's so funny. Like, they've won the most recently, but it was, like, two lockouts ago. Like, that's how long it <laughs> Like, they're, like, the most recent champion. And meanwhile, like, we've, we've, like, changed the rules of hockey, like, five times over yeah. since they won it. Here, here's what I'll say about Tampa is Tampa would probably make for the most fun Stanley Cup final because even though they're they're getting drubbed by Washington, they're probably the deepest, fastest, most fun team. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't really have the story. Like, I don't really care if Steven Stamkos wins the cup or not. I don't really care if John Cooper wins the cup because he looks like Michael Keaton and I can make Michael Keaton jokes on Twitter. Like, that's not really worth it for me. I'm but, not- like, man, it's just I, – I don't know. Like, I, if I'm ranking these in order of how badly I want them to happen, I, I think I want to have Winnipeg happen the least. No, no offense to really? you and, and your brethren, but, like – that's 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 still relatively new. Like I, I feel like you need to like everyone's saying Vegas needs to go through the whole like you need to have pain before you can have the the championships and the happiness and all that. But like Winnipeg has really only been there as the Atlanta Thrasher Winnipeg for like what seven years. Yeah, they they they, they haven't won a playoff game until so this no year. Dale Howard Chuck sympathy here. No, no, no Dale Howard Chuck sympathy. And like and like I'm tired of seeing like interviews with Timu Solani during games. Like don't interview former Arizona Coyote legends. Or, <laughs> inter- interview You didn't even go dots, you went to Coyotes. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like interview interview Keith or interview Ilya Kovalchuk. He's he's a Winnipeg Jets legend. He played in Atlanta. But like what, what like Winnipeg for me is they're, they're probably the most fun team to watch of all the teams that are left. I, they're the team I enjoy watching play the most. But I mean, I don't know. There's just there's just something like I, I hate watching their games at home when they do the whiteout and they're just they're all wearing blue like idiots on the ice. Like if you're gonna do a whiteout, wear white, man, or just wear blue and do a blue out. Like you you should match. Like I get it. Like whiteout. That's the thing too. Like back back when um Tampa Bay last won the cup, I'm pretty sure home teams wore white. Like that's how long ago it was. Like, it's a lifetime ago. It's like six presidential terms ago. Maybe not six, but it's a long time ago. So Winnipeg to me, like I love Patrick Line. Patrick Line. I think winning a cup is great for hockey because like he's one of the few guys who are both young or not both, but they're young, talented, and he's outspoken. Like he'll say whatever he wants now. If he gets a cup under his belt, he's probably going to get even more fun to talk to yeah. and things like that. I think that's good for the league. But um, I don't know. And also, I I, I kind of like holding it over Canadians, even though I get it. <laughs> all the, I know all the American teams are loaded with Canadians, and that's how they win the cup with Canadians. But it's just kind of fun to just point out things like, wait, so you're telling me that a team in Tampa has won a cut more recently than a team in Canada. That's pretty funny. And then like Canadians <laughs> come back and say things like, well, what about gun control and your president? Like, Oh God, why do you guys have to escalate it every time we make jokes about hockey? Let's just keep it at hockey guys. Come on. Yeah. I love that petty aspect of your personality. Uh, you, you've been in on this for a while. It's just like, yeah, you know what? Carlson's compelling or, Oh, I like the young Leafs or whatever. But, like, fuck that country. I, I appreciate that about you, and you've stayed on message about that right. throughout. As long as I've known the, the media phenomenon that is Dave Lozo, you've always been about bad-mooding Canadians. I, I wouldn't call it bad-mouthing. <laughs> it's, more, it's more American pride. Like, look, yeah. us, us Americans, we don't have a lot left at this point, okay? Like, we, we don't have um, – we don't have, like a, like, a society to brag about. We don't have a president to brag about. All we have is this, what is it at this point, 25-year run of American franchises dominating the Stanley Cup final. And once we lose that, like, what do we have left? Like, 
the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not going <laughs> to brag about that. That's not going to be my thing. Like the NBA, like the NBA is pretty cool, but like, you know, I'm not really a Golden State Warriors or, or Cleveland Cavs or Boston Celtics guy. I can't really brag about that. Mm. Baseball? Honest to God, right right now, the, the, the best player that I'm, I care about is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Of course. He's Canadian. Is he, he is, is he Canadian? He's born in Montreal. He's born in Montreal. He was born in Montreal. Man. Gotta get, I, I, I was so excited today, by the way. I'm sure we'll talk about League of Leagues, but like we have Vlad on our team. And I was oh, so, that was a good I was pickup. so pumped for an hour. Somebody was saying to me, we gotta talk about Vlad Jr. for a minute, even though this is nothing to do with hockey, but that's how the podcast goes. That if there was a moment, like if people were like, well, maybe this guy's lurking on Twitter or whatever. I, one of my friends texted me, so someone was telling me this, who's like on Twitter, but said that if I was ever going to be like, hey, I'm back, just kidding, Mofo's like, here I am. It would have been Vlad Jr. hitting a walk-off home run at Olympic Stadium during the <laughs> exhibition games. Like, of yeah. course. And I legitimately lost my mind and could have – I think I was in t- – was I in town? I don't remember if I was in town. But anyway, like – but I didn't. I didn't take the bait. I didn't go back on Twitter or whatever. But, yes, that was a uh, tremendous moment. And I love – there's something so amazing about a kid. Like, the, the iconic picture is Vlad in, like, 2003 or two. Tipping his cap to the crowd and his like giant afro three year old child following suit in full regalia next oh, yeah. to him on the field. It's like the cutest, most awesome picture. And now he's destroying worlds. And like I do, my job has evolved a little bit. I do a lot of stuff in Toronto. I do TV for sports and then I write for sports and I do radio and they always, and they ask me like, Oh uh, yeah, tell me about the Jays. And the Jays are like, all right this year. So they'll be like, what do you think of Devin Travis? I'm like, eh. well, well, Jay Happ struggled in his last start. I'll be like, let's talk, talk about Vlad. Who cares about <laughs> anything else? This is a mediocre team. I don't care. It doesn't matter. The Jays are going to win 82 games and be irrelevant. Why is Vlad not on the roster? Why is he not the prime minister? Why is he not negotiating peace in the Middle East, what they really, which they really need right now? Just get Vlad. They'll solve all the problems. And not only that, it's not as though, like, the Blue Jays outfield was so loaded that they couldn't find a spot for him. Or DH you know, him, or who cares? Kendris Morales is their DH. You're a better hitter than Kendris Morales at this point. Well, I mean, to be fair, I was a three fifty five hitter for six years in the majors. People don't know that about me, but, yeah. First of all, I mean, using batting average, what are you doing, buddy? WRC well, plus, if you please. It was, back, it was back in the 90s when I played. That's when we cared about getting on base. It was more than the three outcomes back then. When I <laughs> sorry. You're sorry, you don't Jock Peterson. Actually, he doesn't even have the home runs this year. <laughs> but yeah, so Vlad is, Vlad is on your team, and I love – there's something – and you pulled it off last year, and Aaron Judge was not a prospect per se, but there's something so satisfying, whether or not you win a fantasy league, about, oh yeah, oh, yeah you were on top of this guy before anybody else. Like, you can live off the Aaron Judge fumes for like 30 years, and I would not begrudge you at all. Oh, uh, like, like I'm, I'm looking to like lobby for like a rule change in League of Leagues where we can keep Aaron Judge for more than one more year after this year. Like, I think we should adjust. Like, there should be a third-year option – where we could keep Aaron Judge and it'll cost us a 27th round pick instead of like a 33rd round pick. What do you, what do you say? Come on. I, I think we, as the commissioner, we could definitely potentially, although technically I guess I ousted the original commissioner. He's now no longer in the league. <laughs> Wait, who's, who's, well, was Dan the, was the guy who came to me at the LA farmer's market in 2009 and said, and you know what my favorite part of this is? You'll know that this is a dated conversation because like, when when I talk about legal leagues with my friends or whatever, and I'm sure you maybe do the same, you'd be like, you could trade Trout for LeBron. You could do this or this. One of the examples that was used of, like, the great high-scoring fantasy guy that you could trade, I shit you not, was Jerome Bettis. <laughs> That's how long ago this conversation occurred. Actually, you know what's funny fan, is, is when, was when I when I when I t- tell my friends about this league who, like, do fantasy and, like, they're, they're like, oh, wow, you're in that league. They, they, they know about that league. Oh, cool. 
And then I tell them like, oh yeah, we had some new people come in. And then (laughs) I tell them them about the Miz. It's one, it's one of two responses. One is who? (laughs) Because they're adults and they don't care about wrestling. And then the other is, no fucking way. We're in a fantasy <laughs> league with the Miz. The, no, uh, no way. What, you, I'm like, yeah, I know his email address. I can email him right now and ask him about a trade. No way. No, <laughs> that's so cool. So it's, there's no middle ground with the Miz. Either you love the Miz, or you you you've just you know stopped watching wrestling when you were 12, like like a lot of people did. So there, there's se- there's several segues here. So we need to back up a second and explain. Some a lot of people listen to this will know what league leagues is, but it's baseball, basketball, football, all in one league. We draft all on the same day. It's like ten hours. You literally can take like Anthony Davis in round one, and then whatever Jose Altuve, and then like Antonio Brown or whatever. And you could trade guys for guys. The first trade in the history of the league naturally was me because I'm mental. I traded Chad Qualls for number three Arizona uh, Cardinals wide receiver John Brown. It was a mild upgrade, which is exactly the kind of trade that, like, oh, oh, is Jose Perella available? I'm going to offer you $2 at NBA Fab five years from now. Sold. Deal. Exactly. I love those deals. I don't do blockbuster. Anyway, that's one. Two is we did have a fair bit of turnover, and one of the guys in our league who's very good at this, he's very savvy, very smart, he's got named Brian Gewurz. Brian Gewurz, good guy. He was a head writer on WWE Raw for 13 years. And like you, I haven't really followed WWE in a while, but he like works with The Rock and now he's in The Rock's like production company or whatever. So when we had an opening in the league, I was like, ah, we got to find somebody. And, you know, I put the word on, Gewurz texts me and goes, do you want The Miz? I'm like, like The, like the Miz? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I said, what? And the story was he wasn't sure if he was going to make it, be able to make it on time because he was flying to New York that day to defend his Intercontinental Championship, which I think he either lost that night or the next time that he wrestled. So obviously the League of Leagues sunk him into the depths. Now he's so absorbed, but although obviously not judging by the performance of his team because his team's terrible. Oh, but terrible. terrible. But right. yes, the Miz is in this league. And I've had, like I tell people about this thing, and they're really into fantasy, and they can't circle the square. Like they can't. They don't get it. Like, they get it, but they're like, what? Like, I don't... So you're supposed to follow... You're supposed to know what your football team's going to look like, even though you draft in April, and yeah. what your basketball team's going to look like? We're, we draft basketball while the previous basketball season hasn't technically ended yet. <laughs> I drafted Chris Tapps Porzingis, who had just torn his ACL, because maybe 10 months from now, he'll be available. Like, it's so mental, and, and the the, like, the cognitive flexibility required to do this is so good, and it's exactly how my brain works, and I love it. And, like, I'm not a big trash talker, and I like I like making the trades, but I just, like, the the nerdy side of me is so engaged by this thing. And you can do it a bunch of ways. You want to trash talk, you can. The Miz, when he joined the league... Oh, yeah. T- tell, tell the people what the Miz did when he joined the league, because his email was just incredible. So, like, I'm, I'm assuming this happens in every fantasy league where there's turnover. Like, you have yes. this email chain and you, you add a new person to the league and you say, hey, everybody, welcome Bob. Bob's taking over for Joe. And everyone's like, hey, Bob, thanks for coming in, Bob. Good luck, Bob. And Bob's like, hey, everybody, glad to meet you. You know, hope <laughs> I have a good first season. And we did that for the Miz. We're like, hey, Miz, welcome to the league, blah, blah, blah. And, like, his email was like, listen up, you virgin nerds. <laughs> I am going to crush you like the basement living mom's basement nerd virgins that you are. <laughs> and part of, and part of me was like, he knows he's not a real wrestler. Right? Like, he's, <laughs> like, like he's an actor. Like he's not really going to do, do that stuff. 
but he he was great, man. Like he was he he, he kind of mucked up the draft a little bit. I felt like we were constantly waiting for him to pick or or repick because he tried to take like Jose Altuve in the fifty fifth round or something. Like let's he was taking this. <laughs> he should probably take somebody else here. That that guy's not available. But the league is great too because like you were saying, I love the um so. It's kind of hard to explain to people who aren't in it because, like, right now in the baseball league, Jonah's destroying everybody because he's Jonah Carey and he's a baseball genius. Except that I sucked the first two times that we did baseball. I finished, like, uh, eighth and, uh, like, seventh. It was bad. I don't, anyway. I don't want this Canadian humble bragging. Yeah, he, yeah, has yeah. A, he has, like, 120 of, like, a possible 140 points in our league. He's running away with it. And then me and my partner, Harris, are in second. And then I think it's Sal might be in third, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's in third. Sal it's and like, Brian Gortz, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like we're the, we're like the top three, and like there's a big gap between like three and like four, mm-hmm. and then like four through nine is kind of close. And where we sit right now, we're in second place, and we have Aaron Judge, we have Nomar Mazar, we have all these good keepers. And in any other baseball league, we would be trying to trade those guys to load up to go after Jonah. But because it's a league of leagues, like we've talked about this, and we're thinking to ourselves, what's the point of trading to kind of move up one spot in the league of league standings when we can maybe hold on to those guys? trade them later because really all we're because if you win the baseball league you you basically win your entry feedback which is great yeah but we but we want to win the whole thing yeah. so it's are we going to maybe go all in for one point but the, this is where the mental gymnastic stuff is great like if you're in ninth and you can make maybe finish fourth with a good little run like you're seven points out of fourth yes maybe it's worth going for because you're going to move up all those spots for the overall standing so it's like it's so it's like it's great it's cool like it's it's a whole new way of thinking about stuff and God bless Toby, man. I don't know how Toby does it oh every year. God. Toby's fantastic. Toby Mergler, who is our webmaster and I guess co-commissioner, and he he built this like custom draft sheet, and he's the nicest guy from Austin and stuff like that too. The other bit of strategy, by the way, is if you're thinking about trading Judge for whoever, the move is you actually should look at what my football and basketball teams look like because like yeah. if, if I'm nobody, if nobody, I'm a threat, nobody ever wants to trade though. Nobody ever wants to like trade football guys before football season starts, you know? It's hard to get them to do it that. Is. Well, it used to be we had two-year cycles instead of one and so you would be trading for like next year in basketball even though it's like the same thing. So they would do that. But I was going to say like if I'm uh, if you and it's hard because it's so early, but if you look at my football and basketball teams and you're like, "Oh shit, like Jonah could be good there too." Then the point in baseball could be worth it because you're basically getting two points, you're getting a jump. Yeah. Yeah, like you could do it that way too, uh, and I don't know if my basketball football teams are good. Whereas if my if you knew that like I was the baseball guy, I drafted like fifteen Mike Trout, you'd be like, well, that guy's not a threat. I'll finish second, and then I'll crush him in football and basketball. Don't need to worry about that guy. It's well, there, there's that aspect of it too. But like with football, football feels super random because oh, last so year, random. last year we lost Spencer Ware and Julian Edelman on the same day in preseason, and they were like two of our first three picks. So we were like, well, we're screwed. Yeah. And then we ended up picking up like Robbie Anderson before the year started. And we finished with the most points in football. So it's hard to judge. Like I, I have a really hard time. Like we've been doing an American league only fantasy baseball league forever. Yeah. And I never really know how good my team is until like the end of May, beginning of June. So it's hard for me to kind of like figure out how good our football team will be while it's May. So you, you guys have been doing the league forever. So you probably have a better judge of that than, than, than we are, but yeah, that's a good point. Maybe we should take a run at you. I didn't think of it like that. It's a good point. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was only one cycle before you guys came in. We did the first two year cycle. Then we went to one year starting with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, by the way, I think one of my, the most underrated, like nerdy, like ridiculous parts when I tell people this, they, they literally start laughing out loud is that we have the supplemental draft. So yes. in the main draft, you're drafting to determine when you draft later. 
And I jumped up really high this year because hey. Saquon Barkley is in college. And I have not watched college football in I don't know how many years. And I've watched like two NFL games in the last six years. But I know that Saquon Barkley is really good and like way better than I don't even know the names of the other dudes. I'm like, in the fifth round, I'm taking the right to draft a guy six months from now who might get hurt in minicamp and whatever. I'm doing it anyway. And I have, Saqu- I have theoretical Saquon Barkley right now. People are like, I don't understand what you're saying right now. Can I just tell you too that when you so so me and my friend Aris were partners in the league. We yeah. were drafting at his house, and I'll tell you right now between like I forget the exact rounds, but between like rounds like eight and twelve, we we kept talking about it. We're like, should we take the supplemental pick here because it's going to be Saquon? And we're like, let's wait. Let's no, wait I took Saquon around five. I know, and like yeah. finally, like around and like round eleven, say it was, we type it into the spreadsheet. Supplemental pick number one, and like it turns that color when you can't do it. Yeah, yes, like, yeah, so it was like number five. <laughs> I know, like God, you. And then and then the Giants take Saquon to make yeah, it. Yeah, you're even a Giants pick. guy. Yeah, I'm a huge Giants fan, and this, that's the first time I think I pumped my fist at a Giants draft pick in like 15 years. And now you, you're going to dangle that over us for the next <laughs> two years, you son of a bitch. Do you want Saquon? I will give you everybody. Well, the thing is, that, and that's interesting, too, because his keeper value, like, if you keep him, he's a third rounder. Now, if he leads the league in rushing, he's worth a third rounder. But if he's, like, okay, then no. Yeah. There's that's levels and levels and levels. It's it's so fun. Yeah, I want to try to encourage trading, too. And, like, I, it's hard to do it. I don't know how. We won't go too much further than this, but, like, I'm trying to encourage everybody to stay in it too. Like if you are in ninth place, you mentioned it, you can move up monetarily. Everybody, we have 14 teams. Everybody cashes except the last place guy. So you could recoup like 20% of your entry fee if you finish second to last, 15% of your entry. You know what I mean? Like it keeps going up. Yeah, that's great. So, it's great. And I, I like this new system. It, you don't get as much for first place, but like everybody's invested. Like, oh, I'm in eighth. I don't want people to give up. I want people to have fun. It's about fun. But I feel like I've, I've, handicap the trading desire a little bit because people are like, well, I don't want to trade my football guy because maybe I can finish fifth in that league and I can finish seventh overall. And I'm just like, hey. Right. So it's it's a work in progress, I guess. The, the, the thing that drives me the most insane is, and I, I know you guys want to talk hockey. I, I realize like nobody wants to. Oh, I don't that. care. We're going to talk about all this stuff. I yeah. want to talk about the disaster that is the journalism ministry too. We'll do all this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, so like I've, I've done an, an AL only fantasy league forever and we do daily transactions. So like, well, the only time we can make a move is when a guy gets like DL'd or yeah. DFA'd or sent to the minors. So like, you can't just make moves willy nilly. Plus it's AL only. The free agent list is garbage anyway. So you wouldn't do it. So it wasn't until I started doing this league when I came to realize how often guys get put on the DL on Monday. And yes. We do, and we do our transactions on Sunday and it's infuriating <laughs> because you're sitting there and you're like, Wait, I, I could have just picked up somebody for you. Why wouldn't you just tell me you were hurt on Sunday at six o'clock at night as opposed to Monday at ten a.m.? Now I'm screwed for six days. That's the most inf- that and the fact that like I can't figure out how anybody. So in, in, in our league, it's not like a waiver wire thing where you pick up it's first come first serve. You get a hundred FAAB units yeah. to spend on free agents. And at some point this year, we were like, we need a new six starter. Let's go out and get Nick Pavetta. Mm-hmm. And like, let's get Nick Pavetta. Sure. So we put in like a $7 bid for Nick Pavetta and he went for like 20 bucks. 31. 31 was it? For Nick Pavetta. Listen, Del Don, but listen, Delta Del Don, which is a whole other story, which we can tell too if you want about Dalton Del Don, which is oh, the best yeah, league story. Card. Right. But, but they, Del Don, who uh, lost his mind apparently for more than once, yeah, one week he's just like, oh, our team sucks. He spent thir- they spent 31 on Pavetta, 31 on Jed Lowry, and 31 on Joey Lucchese. They spent all their fab yes. money in one week. And, and like so, so like two weeks later, we're looking at the free agent pool and we're like, "Ooh, we should pick up Miguel Andujar." And and Harris is like, 
dude, we can't afford that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. This league's nuts. He's probably, he's a Yankee. He's probably going to go for like 40 bucks. Like, let's just put in a bid for him. And I forget exactly what we bid, but it was like $17 too much that, that we, that we needed yes. to bid because nobody, nobody wanted Miguel Andujar. Like, I can't figure out the league's free agent system. Like, that's the one thing, like, I feel like you have to be in the league for like 10 years to figure out everybody's like predilections, like what they're going to pay for, what they're not going to pay for. But it's still, it's like, if you can do this on your own, if you can get like a Toby guy to kind of set up yeah, your own. Yeah, that's the big thing. You should do it. It's super fun, and, like, I, you know, baseball is the sport that I follow professionally and all that, and, and, like, if I were to play fantasy, that'd be the one. I haven't played fantasy football in a while before this, but, like, it opens up whole new avenues, and it's super fun, and uh great group of, of people, too. Although, I don't know, but we'll see if the Miz is going to last. I don't know. I have my doubts. He could be Kentucky here. It could be one and done. <laughs> yeah, I'm trash-talking you, Miz. <laughs> Michael Mizanin, if that is your real name. Probably not. What's he going to do to us? <laughs> <laughs> fake fake body slammy like i'm scared i'm a little scared um yeah me too <laughs> so let's let's circle back to puck for a little bit so we didn't talk about ov we didn't get into that and and it's like it's happening in basketball too right this year that chris paul was the guy who couldn't get by and harden couldn't make it anywhere and i sympathize with guys like that barkley never won a title like i want to see great players do that stuff not to the extent of like the raymond bork let's all you know defenestrate ourselves because, oh, my God, he won a cup. And I say that even though Raymond Borg not only is from Montreal, the arena across the street from where I grew up, I swear to God this is true, was called the Raymond Bork Arena because he's literally from the same suburb. It's like if you were from Jersey, but it's not that stop on the turnpike, it's like that block in the town in the turnpike. <laughs> and I still thought that the Raymond Bork thing was out of control, but all things being equal, it's nice. And Ovi is a great player and, and like, bombastic and fun and cool and, like, outspoken and all this stuff. So... I find myself, even though I like the Jets story and I like the Knife story, I like the Caps. Like, it'd be cool if the Caps won. And Washington, not for nothing, has been a – you talk about the cursed sports towns and now the Cleveland's won. It's way up there, man. Like, the Skins won in, like, 83. And then what? The Wizards? Oh, my God. Like, bad. The Nationals? <laughs> they're just the, the, the next iteration of the Expos. That ain't good. And then you've got the, uh, the, the Caps, right? The Caps have been a – how many times have they won the freaking President's Trophy? Like, I don't know. I, I sympathize there a little bit, too. The cat, see, you're actually in the minority, I think, because you're Canadian and you're rooting for Ovechkin. I feel like most Canadians look for reasons to call Ovechkin a dog and he's not Russian? a winner. It, it's, it's so, the, the, the weirdest thing about hockey, and I don't know if this necessarily exists in other sports. Yeah. But if, if a team is bad, like for, so the Penguins won the cup in 09, and then from 2010 until two years ago, they didn't win the cup. And when they didn't win the cup, it was mainly because Marc-Andre Fleury was shitting his pants in yeah. the postseason every year, or they didn't have enough depth guys. They just had, they had, they had Malkin, they had Crosby, they had a couple other guys, but the, you know, to win the cup, you need to have four good lines, you gotta have 3D, you gotta have everything going in the playoffs. You just can't win it individually. It's just not that kind of sport. And everyone seems to know that, but when Ovechkin doesn't win, somehow it's Ovechkin's fault. Somehow when the, the Oilers don't win, it's Connor McDavid's fault. It's always the super, super duper best guy on the team's fault. Mm. The team doesn't win, even though people in hockey love to masturbate over the fact that hockey's quote, the greatest team sport ever. Okay. Well then that's not Ovechkin's fault then. Maybe it's the fault. Maybe it's Nick Backstrom's fault. Nick Backstrom's in worse than Ovechkin was in the playoffs. Yeah. So I do love the idea of Ovechkin winning the cup, especially in a year when we all kind of thought that it wasn't going to happen because the last two years they were the best team in the league. They kind of ran into the Penguins twice in the second round, and they lost both times. It's very reminiscent of, um, like, Patrick Ewing kind of running into Michael Jordan every year yeah. in the East. It's, it's very much like that. 
And this year, we all kind of thought the Caps weren't anywhere near as good as they were the last two years, so we kind of gave up on them. Well, I, technically, I said they were going to beat the Penguins, and I was right, but then I said they were going to get crushed by Tampa, so maybe I shouldn't have gotten off the bandwagon when I did, because I'm, I'm stupid. I should have just, <laughs> just rode it the whole way. Who would have cared? So, yeah, I do love the idea of him winning the Cup, because there's nothing more annoying than like a debate about sports where you can be like, yeah, Alex Ovechkin is the uh, active leader in goals per game in the playoffs. He's going to score 700 goals, maybe 800 goals in his career. And there will always be that one dummy who's going to be like, doesn't have as many rings as Chris Kunitz. Like, oh, God, man, that's not it's not his fault. He's doing everything he can pretty much every year in the playoffs. So um, I'm glad you're on board. I hope you can get the rest of Canada on board because if it's Winnipeg, Washington, I feel like the, the vitriol for our, our, our Russian friend is not going to be uh, anything to, to, to that, that we can avoid. That's an interesting one, too. I wrote a piece. I think this was for ESPN.com. This is a long time ago. And it was about the country kind of rallying. The concept of rallying behind the Canadian team, that whatever Canadian team is left – you just root for them. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of blowback from hockey fans about that because if it's Montreal, a lot of people hate Montreal. Well, I was going to say if it's Toronto, but of course that had not happened for 75,000 <laughs> years. Screw you, Toronto. Never forget. But like Winnipeg is the one, maybe Calgary too, but, but like Winnipeg, it's Winnipeg. Like what Canadian team hates Winnipeg? You know what I mean? Like if it's going to be a rallying cry, they're going to be the one. You could find reason to hate the Canucks because they had some, like, agitators on that team over the years, many agitators on that team over the years. So maybe that's the one that people get behind because I don't think that's the case for some other Canadian teams. I, I think that Montreal in particular, when they, they had a – they didn't have great years, but when they had a couple of decent years and, like, price looked good, people weren't, like, lining up like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get excited to root for the Habs. I don't, I don't think that was the case. Maybe it's jealousy because, like, if I'm – that's jealousy, but like, say if I'm a, a, a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I, I don't want to have to hear about Winnipeg. Yes. You know, like I, I want to be, I want to be the team that does it. I don't want to hear about Montreal or Vancouver doing it. I want to be, so I can see it from that point. But what you said reminds me of another thing where, whenever there's like a Canadian person who's good at something, like it's usually tennis. You, <laughs> you, you never fucking hear about this person ever. Greg suddenly, Rusevsky. Like, oh, yeah. Je, no, it's like Jean-Blanc Jean Vendu is in the third <laughs> round of the Open. This is awesome. Like, what do you mean it's awesome? You never once mentioned him before in your life. Like, oh, he's Canadian. Oh, okay. I get GD's it. So, Army. Right. Uh, like Milos. Like, I, I think like Milos's uh, story is like he once drove through Montreal when he was like four, so now he's Canadian forever. I don't know how that works, to be perfectly honest. So I, I kind of get the whole not wanting the Canadian team to win thing, but it does kind of fly in the face of like Canadian sports pride because I feel like Canadian sports pride is way strong. Like Mike Weir in golf, you guys oh, have a lot of. Time. Oh my god, when like, he won the Masters, that was mental. Yeah, maybe just individual sports. Maybe like team stuff. You guys just kind of want to be the the ones who do it, you know. It could be, but it's also just like the like Alabama and Hawaii are not the same country. I'm sorry. Whereas like the most conservative <laughs> state and province of Canada is like Alberta. Okay, well Alberta, and Newfoundland are not that different. You know, it's we're still fishing. We're still like we still need petroleum to survive. Like it's the same kind. Of, we need beaver pelts. Like we're talking about the same stuff. It's not an Alabama and Hawaii thing. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, but like if, if Alex Ovechkin was like Alex Lapierre. He would be the most heralded Canadian athlete of the last 20 years because, like, he scores goals, he throws his body around, he's tough, he's fun, he's physical. But because he's from Russia, there's that weird sort of, you know, 
like that Don Cherry mentality in Canada where you can't possibly ever like the Russian guy because he's Russian because Don Cherry's from like a bygone era when, you know, there was the cold war and there was the summit series and there's still this weird sort of, you know, hatred for, for Russians. But I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have that down here. So if Alex Ovechkin wins the cup, man, like I, I think it would be great. What a great wrestling reveal that would be is if his name was, if he went by Alex LaPierre, he plays 15 years, he scores 700 goals, he goes to hoist the cup, and everyone's like, he's gonna shout out his friends in Shakutami where he played junior, and he's like, this is for Mother Russia! And he just like, he just becomes Russian all of a sudden. That would be the best sports moment of all time. Don Cherry would actually, actually explode. That would be like a really good bit, like if like they get to the Stanley Cup final and there's like some like sports net or something has like, like time to put it together, like a video where like, they go to like some backwoods town in Alberta and they discover like Alex Ovechkin's roots are really Canadian and suddenly like Canadian fans are like, wow, maybe I had this guy off. <laughs> maybe he's actually really good at hockey. I didn't realize that. I want to ask you about Flurry too because he's one of the stories of the regular season, the playoffs, and everything. I mean, the Knights are, they're well constructed. Shout out McPhee, all that stuff. But like Flurry's been really, really good for them. How does that go in hockey? People are like, wow, it's a vote of confidence. He got out of a bad situation into a good one or whatever. But, like, he went from being bad to, like, he might win the MVP. Like, that's not a thing. Mike Trout doesn't, like, have a year off where he hits 207, (laughs) and then he goes back to hitting 370 with 62 home runs. Not a thing. How does that happen? Is it only goalies? Does it happen to other hockey players? I don't remember Crosby having vacillations like this. Nobody seems to. This is such a weird story. Goalies goalies have a lot of that. Like, some some, – there are – there are so few goalies who are like like Henrik Lundqvist for like a decade was like a dead bolt lock for like Always. a nine twenty one save percentage. But beyond that, even the best goal like Braden Holpe this year, going into this year, I think he was probably considered in that upper echelon of goalies where you know what you're going to get every year. And he lost his job for like the last yep. six weeks, eight weeks of the season before he took it back over in the first round. So there, there is that part of it where goalies are just. Sometimes you just don't know. Like like Mike Smith, uh, he went from being bad in one city to being good in another city. It just happens sometimes with a change of scenery. But usually when a goalie kind of has a resurgence, there's like a really good team in front of him. And, you know, here we are. It's, you know, the middle of May. Vegas is eight wins away from a Stanley Cup. I still don't get it. I really don't, man, because it's he, he's playing behind – like the team is better than we all thought it was, but yeah. it's still not the it's still not the LA Kings from 2012 where he's not facing a lot of tough shots. Like he's got to be really good every night. And if he hadn't missed two months during the season, there's a pretty good chance he probably would have won the Hart Trophy in the Vezina because it's, crazy. it's he was that good. Yeah. He meant that much to the team. But here in the playoffs, it, it's sometimes you just catch lightning in a bottle. Like there was a game against San Jose. I think it was the game they clinched against them. Where I think there was like three posts, he had like two pucks go through his legs, through his legs and wide, and he's just he's just kind of locked in. Like like he could he he was. It's important to note that in Pittsburgh he is this beloved figure, and it doesn't really match what he did there. Like when the year they won the cup, he wasn't that great. The year they lost the cup to Detroit, he was fantastic, hmm. and then. The last two cups, he was kind of just sort of there. The second one, he kind of carried the water for Matt Murray until the yeah. conference finals, but he was basically, he lost his job. Like, he wasn't good enough to start anymore for the Penguins, so they went with Matt Murray. And now, on an expansion team, he's he's better than he's ever been. And I, I don't, like, I wrote about this. I don't really, sometimes, like, like Washington, for instance, okay, no one thought they were going to beat Tampa the first two games, and they did. And you can go and look at how they did it. Turnovers in the neutral zone for Tampa, you know, uh, power play has been fantastic. You can explain it. 
I don't really think there is a way to explain why Vegas is so good. It's just, you know, chip on your shoulder. They're playing in a division that's not maybe the best division in the West or in the, in the NHL. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's, he's, he's doing it. It's, it's bizarre and it's amazing. Um, okay, we got uh, Hoboken is a high crime rate right now. There's some stuff going on. I don't know. Some things. Uh, because I, I live on the mean streets of Hoboken, Jonas. Sometimes crime goes down, and you know you got you got to you got to you know back up your boys or something. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to talk tough. Amazing. Um, how are we feeling about the state of journalism now? We have to talk about this only because you and I hustle. We go after gigs, whatever. We're gonna freelance this. We're gonna do that, whatever. Doesn't matter where. Have gun, we'll travel, all that stuff. Was there ever a point, or let me ask you this. Did you ever feel comfortable about this kind of like, okay, I'm going to make a go of it, I'm going to carve it up, and I like this idea of having six gigs instead of one, uh, and now it's more tenuous, or has this always been one of those things that's like, all right, we're going to see what's around the next corner, because like, I feel like it goes in fits and starts, that you can make a go of this thing, if you're freelancing all over the place, but the conditions uh, just from last year to this year, like a whole bunch of like SI ceased to exist. So like, I don't write for SI anymore. Like there's basically like, they just have like one quarter as many people. So that's not a job of mine anymore. So how do you navigate that? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's a good question because so for the longest time, for like six years, I worked for the NHL and it was a, writing gig where I went to an office when I didn't write and I had health insurance and I had set hours and, um, you know, there's, there's a lockout every seven years. So it wasn't yes. a secure job, but it was a secure job. But I, I just got to the point where I kind of wanted, I, I really want to be able to write for TV. TV writing is what I want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're so, good at it. Not for nothing. I've read some of your stuff. It's good. Oh yeah. I did send you that one thing. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, I liked it. I guess nothing happened, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, a, so, it's a marathon, so, not a sprint. Oh God, is it ever a marathon? Yes. It's the most. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you a story about that. Please, but, um, but in terms of like sports journalism, like it, it's not as though I woke up one day and was like, you know, it would be great if I could just live from moment to moment without any security at all, because <laughs> that would be the greatest thing ever to sort of never know when it could all come to an end. But there's the two ways to go about it. One is like, say, if you work for the National Hockey League and you are a writer there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, <laughs> it's a secure job. All your eggs are in that one basket. Yeah. But at some point, that basket might get taken away from you because of a lockout, because of a change in you know budgetary plans there. Like, it could all just go away. That's kind of a bad example because the NHL is kind of secure. But, I mean, like, if you work for SI, for instance, you think, hey, I work for SI. It's this is Sports a- Illustrated. There's a- it's impervious. Where's Sports Illustrated going? And then one day, you know, someone comes to your desk and says, yeah, somebody wants to see you in HR and you have nothing. Like, yeah. When you freelance, it's the opposite of that, but like, it's not really any sort of different setup because like, I do most of my stuff through Vice. I do the Puck Suit podcast yeah. with Greg. It's kind of an independent thing. And there's like stuff here or there. I'll do some stuff at Deadspin every once in a while. But for the most part, like, if, if like Vice ever came to me and said, yeah, look, we had a great run here with this quote hockey thing you do, but <laughs> you should probably go find someplace else to do it. Like, I would still be in the same boat as anybody else that lost their gig. But the difference, I guess, would be I kind of know what the, lay of the land is yeah. with freelance it's not it's like i'm in a good spot like compared to other people but like it's still it's it's still rough out there man like if you have a job and and it just goes away and you kind of have to go back go to square one with freelance 
I mean, you're Jonah Carey, like you were at Grantland, like people like, like I'm me, like I'm like, uh, like on a scale of one to 10, like I'm a two in the business, like you're a nine, like if Sportsnet came to you and said, hey, Jonah, we got to let you go, you're going to be like, no problem, I'm Jonah Carey, this is going to be fun. None of these things are true, but anyway. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of great, like, you know, you, you, you can, can kind of control what you do, like doing stuff, advice is fantastic, like they're. They're, 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 when it comes to like those weeks where you maybe don't have an idea, like I have editors there that are great and they're super open to anything I really want to do creatively. So, you know, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I think there might be some more stuff coming in the future if, uh, some things go the right way over the summer. And, you know, maybe over the summer things go completely sideways, but you just kind of have to, in this business, you just kind of have to just adjust with whatever comes your way, whether it's good or bad. Like when things are good, you never want to kind of take it for granted. You never want to be like, nah, I don't want to take that gig. Things are going awesome for me. Cause then like 10 minutes later, your gig goes away and you're like, Hey, remember that gig I said I didn't want to do? <laughs> I would actually love to do it for half of what you originally said. So you just kind of have to just keep just doing whatever you love and just make sure you can, you know, pay your bills and pay your rent and stuff. The weird thing is you start, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm on an Island on this, but I start paying attention to these weird things that I never thought I'd have to care about. Like, the state of venture capital in sports, the athletic, yeah. which is a great story. And they're like, everybody works for the athletic. Now, now I have to understand how VC works and if it's sustainable. <laughs> and like, I'm not saying that like the athletic is made, ready to make me the CEO, but if they were or whatever, like, so what do I do? Is it more stable than a newspaper? Well, I guess it is because there's no hope for like newspapers are screwed. Is it more stable than ESPN? Well, maybe because ESPN laid off a hundred people. Like it's right. It's, it's just, Everybody has something that makes it weird and, and, and unpredictable. And like, even, even status, right? Like, if you're a mega superstar and you're making seven million dollars a year or whatever, if you're Skip Bayless, okay, but, but like, <laughs> that Sorry. person's probably not gonna get canned. And like, maybe the person making like 45 who busts their ass is not gonna get canned. But like the person who's been like a producer in Bristol for a, is 47 years old and has a family and like is making like 70k and doing really well and built a life there. That's like an expendable job. Like it's hard. To, I don't writing, producing this, all this stuff. It, it's hard to know what makes you safe or not. Like unless you really are, you know, one of the Rushmore people or whatever, we're all kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know how this is going to go. And it's not immediately clear who the jobs are going to. If it's the athletic, well, it's, I mean, I'm not even going to make that joke, but anyway, like it's <laughs> right. But, uh, because I like the people there, but, yeah. um, but it, it really is this weird thing where you don't quite know if you should feel secure or not because the trend, the trends change so quickly. And even the monoliths seem to have turnover. A lot of it. Yeah. Like the, going back to the venture capital thing, like I've, I've been writing for vice sports for a while and yeah. at the end of last season, um, there was like a report that like Vice got a huge influx of like venture capital money. So in my brain, I was like, I'm good. I'm set. <laughs> and then like, and then like a, a couple weeks later, like word came down like, hey, you know Vice Sports? I'm like, I, sh I sure do. They were like, well, we don't exist anymore. And I was like, but I, really? Is that possible? <laughs> but then like come, come September, like whatever was the miscommunication or whatever it was at first that happened – no longer happened and everything was exactly the way it was for me, the way it was before the whole, you know, venture capital going away and all that sort of stuff. Right. But like it, it, a weird thing too is like 
the like there's I, I don't really get a sense that there's like competition. Like maybe there's competition between like Woj and um the other guy who does Yes. Like maybe there's Great competition name. there. But like, you know, when I write a hockey thing and like someone at the athletic does or someone at Yahoo does, like in no way do I feel like I want to crush them. Like I want everyone to kind of do well because of course. You don't want the athletic to go away. I don't want Yahoo to go away because what if at some point my thing goes away? You know, like I don't want to, like there's, 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 there's way less of like a, I don't know if this ever maybe existed, but like maybe in the seventies and like there was like newspapers and people typing it like, Oh, we got to take down the Washington post. And like now it's just kind of like, man, I really hope the athletic works because all my friends work there. Like almost, I can't tell you how many friends I have that work for the athletic at some, in some capacity. Yeah. And I want it to work. Yeah. So. You know, there's never like a sense of like, uh, the athletic. It's like, oh man, the athletic. That'd be, I mean, maybe there's like, uh, when you find out Rick Riley is now contributing, you're just kind of like, oh, Rick Riley. All right. I, I guess I'm rooting for Rick Riley now. I don't know how that works, but you want the athletic to do well. You want Yahoo to do well. You want ESPN to do, you want all these places to do well, but you know, there's no real sort of way to sort of judge, I guess, if something is doing well, like the athletic, it seems like it's doing well. I hope it's doing well. I don't want them to not do well. Of course. And it's the same thing where I work. Like, I think I'm doing well. I hope I'm doing well. I haven't heard I'm not doing well. But what if I'm not doing well? So, like, you're like for me, like, I never sort of feel secure no matter how well things are going or how well I think things are going. And that's that's just kind of that's just kind of the business at this point, right? Yeah, it's a tough way to live. I have a couple of friends who work for The Athletic who, like, were very disenchanted with their previous jobs. They weren't fired, but they're like, this job sucks. This con- These conditions <laughs> suck. And they could find something else. That is, like, my bar. Like, I don't – we don't need money raining from the skies. But if you are let go or even if you, like, really, really, really hate your job. Like, you're trying hard. You're really trying to make it work. You're a get-along guy. You're going about it. But it just sucks. I mean, your boss sucks or this sucks or whatever. You have a choice. Like, you don't have to decide between I'm going to be miserable for 10 years or I can't eat anymore. That's literally the best. That's all I want from this industry. Just let me not hate what I do. I've been very – me in particular, I've been very, super lucky. And I'm not saying it's about me necessarily. But, like, I have friends who are just, like, so good at their job, so hardworking. And it's like they hated what they did. They hated where they were. And they found a better home. That's really cool. I hope we can find that, whether it's VC or, you know, Bezos bought the Washington Post. Maybe it's something like that is going to be the next thing. Sheldon Adelson will buy everything, and then we'll have to write super-duper right-wing sports content from now on. I don't know. It's something. I don't care. I, I can. How about this? How about you and I, we go to Bezos and Musk, and we, we pitch them the athletic of the moon. Oh, my God. Amazing. We cover all the sports on the moon, and we're the first people there. And we can make like probably like seven figures each. I think that's a pretty good pitch. Not no? only that, but when you and I play pickup basketball in the parking lot, we have <laughs> six times the vert. All of a sudden, we're like superstars. Oh, it's our break time. Perfect. I'm gonna go jam on you on this 27 foot hoop. It's like it's like the it's like the easiest dunk since the last time I saw a Britt McHenry tweet. Oh, <laughs> politics! I can do it all. It's, it on this podcast. There's no way we're going to do better than closing on a Brett McHenry quip, so that's good. <laughs> uh, Dave Lozo, Puck Soup is the greatest hockey podcast that ever lived, and uh, I've been it's a fan your, from the get-go. You're, you're part of the Puck Soup, my friend. I love that, and, and for people who don't know, um, Dave and Greg Wyshynski, who's like a freaking superstar, like great at his job and such a nice guy and all that, and um, they teamed up, and we were all working together at Nerdist, and that went away and whatever, and, and you guys have landed and found a good indie spot. And it's funny and great. And even if 
Like I don't watch that much hockey, but I listen to I have six podcasts in my in my in my phone, and this is one of them. And I literally don't even watch this sport all that much because it's so fun, it's so ridiculous, and like the Avengers, and and then we're gonna pivot onto Backstrom, and we're gonna do this. Like it, it's just it's good. It's really fun, and the impressions are ridiculous. And I, I bad impressions are my favorite thing in the world, so this show is automatically my favorite. So that and your work advice, and even though I can't really condone Twitter. If you're going to be on Twitter, which you shouldn't, but if you're going you to, you should follow Dave Loza. If you're going to, probably follow Dave Loza. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend the last one. Um, the other <laughs> stuff, the other stuff, I can I can endorse uh, the podcast. I do I do the podcast too. Down goes Brown advice, which is kind of oh funny. yeah, McIndoe's great too. Former colleague, he's fantastic too. Yeah, it's, it, sure. he's he's doing the podcast with him is fun because like it's it's a solid hour and his comedy is like super dry. He's like a super dry nice Canadian. And that really pivots off my douchebag American bravado <laughs> thing that I have going on. So like we, 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 it's like oil and water or, or maple syrup and, and cheeseburgers. I don't know. I don't know what the joke is there. I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out. <laughs> I want a cheeseburger with maple syrup on it. Uh, Dave Loza, thank you very much. Hey, Jonah, thank you, man. Yeah.